Welcome to the Church Collective Podcast. In this episode, myself and Chris had the opportunity to talk to Benjamin Hastings about his self-titled album, which is really just a journey for Benjamin of songwriting, for seeing like what the Lord has done in and through his life. And it was just, wow, what an incredible conversation. He's got a ton of insight into just his songwriting process, into um, being able to wrestle with the Lord on big concepts and knowing that God can see you through it. So I think you're going to be encouraged by this. I know myself and Chris were. So here we go album is out uh finally it feels like i've been working on this forever um i think the first time i kind of really started talking about it's probably five years ago and then probably three years ago actually started working on it and um and yeah so it's i mean it's really long it's like 25 songs <laughs> and that's kind of because so as i said i mean it's working on it for three years so they've kind of accumulated but um but also because as I was, um, I guess I, the last three years, really, I, I find myself kind of just going through a lot of different things. I, I was wrestling with God a lot about my faith and um, about a lot of the things that he says he is. And um, and yeah, so I kind of find myself in this spiral of kind of confusion and, and doubt. Um, but at the same time, I'm like still, you know, I still do what I do for work, if that makes sense. Mm, um, there's yeah. still the practical. Like, I, I'm touring in uh, South America with United singing these songs. And that kind of, I kind of spiraled me further, where I was having this, like, full imposter syndrome kind of moment, where I was like, if these people knew what was going on in my head, they probably wouldn't want me to be doing this. But I'm, you know, I'm trying my best to be sincere and, and do it in all honesty and integrity. And really, I, I think in hindsight, I can look back at that and say, well, I was just exercising faith in those moments. But it, it made me, it felt really weird. And yeah. like, there was a big tension. And so, so much of the record actually came out of that uh, dichotomy of, um, and the record feels like that, I think, you know, like one song is a worship song. And then the next song is like, God, are you there? And then the next song is like a worship song. And the next song is like, I think you're there. It's <laughs> like uh it's it's kind of all of those things um pushed up beside each other and and i guess a, another reason why it took so long is because um i didn't want to release it while i was still i guess in the worst of that of that place because mm -hmm. I, I remember my, he's my but my buddy chris would call me and he'd be like you're like bro when are you gonna release the record when are you gonna release the record and i was like and i want to but if and i've got the songs probably like 10 songs that i could release right now and I was like, if I do, this is going to be the most depressing record of all time. <laughs> so like, I was like, I'll do these songs, but there needs to be some light at the end of this tunnel. And thankfully, um, and thankfully there is. Thankfully, it's like, um, I guess the, the grand resolve in it is that like, you know, I'm going to get through this. And that's, that's a song and at the very end called So Help Me God. Yeah. And, um, and yeah. And there's a there's a line, sorry, I'm rambling now, but there's a line right at the start that kind of which I wrote really in the in the heart of everything, which says, if faith is a fight, well, I'm gonna win. Hmm. And um I feel like, uh that speaks to what the record is. And it it kind of is me kind of staying in the ring through the through the the ups and downs of this crazy life and yeah, kind of still stay. So I'm I'm really grateful to have the song I'm grateful for everyone that went on that journey with me and um I'm sorry to have the album. That feels weird to say. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> My goodness. That, I, I mean, just, yeah, I, I wasn't aware of like that 
like I think that's going to be incredibly encouraging for so many worship leaders to just hear, well, hey, if it, Benjamin Hastings is like wrestling with God and God meets him and like, you know, speaks to him through that, like, well, maybe there's hope for me because, man, I that's sure. a, um, I mean, it, it, that's a common theme right now uh, of just a lot of people wrestling with it all. Um, and sa sadly, a lot of people leaving, you know, from it. Man, so. that completely. Actually, my because the whole album's a bit of an overshare, to be honest. And some of the stuff, as I'm, as I'm just putting it out, I was like, do I want to say this? Like, is this <laughs> too much? Um, but I, my real honest hope is for those people that you, you know, like, or people like me that at the time. I guess that they just feel a little less crazy that yeah. are a little more human or a little, it's like, okay, I'm not the, there's a line in song fifth is, um, it starts, it's like, I'm not a lost sheep. I just feel alone in the flock. Hmm. And, um, and that to me is kind of, it's, that's, it's, that's for those people. I mean, it was for me at the time, but it's kind of like, that's my real heart behind it is those people that are finding themselves in the fringes, finding themselves pushed towards the fringes that they still feel like, you know, there's a way for me to like have these feelings and kind of reconstruct my faith and, and however I, I need to at this moment. Um, oh, sorry, that came out wrong, but you, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah, get to the kind of rebuild so that I have something that's going to last me for, for the next little while. Yeah. And, um, for those people to, uh, you know, not feel alone. In yeah. That. Cause I think I, I did a little bit. I felt sure. alone. I felt like it was either you got to be like a uh, fifth preacher confident or you got to like be really cynical. And I was like, where's the, where's that middle ground where you're like, <laughs> right. Where's yeah. that middle ground? Yeah, you, you're not like just bashing everything, but you also are like accepting that maybe everything's not a hundred percent right. Sure. So yeah, that's what I was going. My goodness. Yeah. When did you, when did you start writing it? Uh, I mean, yeah, actively, right to middle of 2019. So right in the middle of, that was when that tour was that I referred to in South America. And um, that was kind of where it all started. I mean, I have things, I have some songs on there that I've been working on for about 10 years that just kind of eventuated finally after a long time. Um, but I would say actively working, make, I'm making it a body of work, 2019. And then I started recording, uh, started 21 i think in sydney um no started 20 but what year was last year no 21 there we go <laughs> it all it's all blurred at this point yeah. uh, it's such a blur so you're right you're writing this through covid yeah yeah which probably didn't help either wow <laughs> and um yeah were you were you collaborating with anybody like with any writers or were you were like, were you doing this remotely? Yeah. So I do. I mean, every song, except for a couple of little, um, there's a couple of little like short, at least I wrote most of them myself, but, um, yeah, I worked with a lot of people on this. Um, it'd be hard to even list them all, but where I worked with my, like the boys from United, so Joel and Dylan, she's that helped produce a lot of it. Um, Aiden, he's a good buddy of mine, song fielding. Um, I wrote with from in Nashville when I when I got over here, I wrote with um Hank Bentley a lot. He was really instrumental in getting it over the line. He produced a bit as well. Uh David. Sorry, my son's buzzing. And um 
Who else? There's a song in there with Brian Farler. There's a song. There, I mean, there really is probably. I there's a, probably about thirty writers on there. Um, but I like. I really enjoyed co-writing, and to me, it's kind of the more the merrier. Like if it's making a song better, I've never been opposed to as many people as we need on there. Like Eden, which is the one I was saying took me like ten years. I mean, I think there's seven writers on that one. So, um. And so I'm really grateful to all those guys for for doing that and for all being willing to kind of, you know, dilute it to seven people. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of where it came out. And so I think, oh, yeah, Brandon's on that song as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. Sorry. There's a lot. I should probably get a list. <laughs> hey, everyone. When, uh, where did you record it? Like, where did you end up tracking it? Yeah, so that's the other thing about this record that's kind of interesting, it, everywhere. So we started in Sydney. So five of the songs kind of started there. Um, like songs like Homeward and Father's Blessing, they're pretty much all done in Sydney. But then some of the stuff, man, a lot of it was in Nashville. Some of it was in LA. Um, some of it was in Orange County, which is kind of LA. And then um, some of it was in London. While I was, we were in our last um we went there to see my parents and to switch over our visas. And then we ended up getting stuck there for four months because the embassy closed. So uh, we did, I ended up kind of having to do a bunch of it in Ireland, which was actually really fun and sweet. I wrote a ton of it and um, in this little like shed thing my parents have, they turned it into a studio for me, which was really nice and did a bunch of it in there. And with a, with a friend, an old friend of mine, he has a studio called Fra. Um, out in, uh, I don't know where he is, out near, out near it's not Nuri, sorry for, uh, if you're hearing this. It's called Safe Place Studios. I want to give him the plug, but I can't remember exactly where we are in, in Ireland. And, uh, and then a, a bit in London, which was actually really fun as well to do some vocals there. But yeah, it was it was kind of everywhere. And trying to get it over the line at the end where you have like, <laughs> the guy mixed it, Ben Wincott, he's in Sydney. And the producer would be in Nashville, and then I'm in LA. So trying to get like a time zone where we could all talk to each other was an absolute nightmare. Like he would he would mix it through the day, and then I jump in a call with him at like twelve at night. But by that point, it's already two in the morning in Nashville. So it just was crazy those last couple of weeks. Um, Who was the producer? Well, it's kind of it, honestly there was so many. So Chislet and um, produced on a lot of them, and kind of ended up being a bit of a glue. Even where there was other producers, he kind of that is a bit of an umbrella just to try to tie the whole thing together on on a lot of them and then on on other ones um hank hank bentley did a lot of them himself uh i'll give you the list of producers because they're all amazing so uh yeah michael ratchet hank bentley david leonard um ben tan did a bunch um judah uh co-produced one of them and i'm gonna say everyone anyone and then sorry then tenny and dmac kind of came in and did some of the extra stuff um i think that's everyone i hope i haven't missed anyone but yeah <laughs> like everybody it's crazy when you're like, <laughs> such a huge network between like hillsong people and like ccm nashville people like it, i don't even know how you would pick who you're going to work with you know yeah, and I kind of did it. That was kind of, <laughs> it was, <laughs> I was like, everyone, up for being involved. We were actually talking about that. We had a little, little celebration on the bus last night when it turned midnight and it came out. And um, 
and that was one of the things we talked about the fact that i think i was looking around the bus like trying to do gonna like thank a couple of people and then i realized like every single person on this bus contributed in some way shape or form which was actually really cool like i'm i'm really willing that everyone was able was willing to just kind of throw in and do some stuff like even like jad and crocker from united came in and sang some bvs for me on the last couple of days and um there's a lot of little bits like that so it was really it was really fun it was really, really collaborative i That's was crazy. um i was listening through it's like some of the songs this morning was fantastic but i my attention got caught by uh nelder grove which i think not a whole lot of people would know what that is like you got any insight to like like specifically naming that that like talk a little bit about that song or even i mean it's like yeah i mean that song is one of the ones i was kind of scared to put out um <laughs> <laughs> that uh so it's called cathedrals of the nelder grove and which kind of sounds like a lord of the rings book that didn't make it Love and um <laughs> and, uh, Elder Grove is uh it's it's one of the places where giant sequoias grow in uh northern California. And so um and so I was kind of double dipping. I wrote a song a couple of years ago for Hillsong called Seasons. And so I was kind of double dipping on the sequoia metaphor. Mm-hmm. And um <laughs> and that song is really all it's it's a bit of a commentary on um well, like our church has gone through a lot in the last couple of years. And uh, that is kind of my commentary on it. And I'm re- yeah. I could, I could dive in, but I'm really, no, that's cool. Yeah. I feel like it's just, everybody's just go, go probably- listen, listen to the album. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The song probably says it better than, um, better than I'll be able to articulate. But, um, but yeah, that one, that one felt a bit scary to, yeah. to put out there. Yeah. Pretty honest, but there's sure. a bit of hope in the end. I mean, the, the thing that I'll say this, the thing that, um, and you'll hear it at the end, there's an, an ecologist starts talking that I find on him. I just find him on YouTube randomly. It's called Chad. Huh. And um, this, this, like 200 views, but I, I listened to it and I was like, oh my goodness, this guy's like, the metaphor in this is insane. So I just reached out to him and I was like, bro, can I sample this? And he was like, yeah, I'd love that. Wow. Um, <laughs> and so the, I, 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 someone had told me this, so I, I went and looked it up. And um, sequoias, in order to reproduce, need um, fire. And not just any kind of fire, but like intense fire. A fire, as Chad says in the video, a fire strong enough that it's actually going to kill some of the giant sequoias. But what you get in the bargain is um, hundreds of more giant sequoias. And I thought that was just, especially in light of there being the um, the sequoia song before, which was kind of based in the winter. I thought that was yeah. a really cool way to develop the story a little bit and yeah i guess um well, yeah i guess in it we're the sequoia and i uh, yeah you have to yeah. just listen to the song to right find out whether we we made it or not i don't know, yeah. <laughs> I don't right. know if there's, <laughs> great. there's like there's like it's almost like the mcu like you've got like layers from different out like you got to listen to everything that benjamin's put together to like get the whole story yeah. that's awesome it is, um it's a little it, actually did you like i'd love to hear like so like i mean so you're wrestling in the middle of all this but were you like there's gonna be like but you're still like songwriting in it like were you what kind of sense did you have on like like either this is gonna be really awesome at the end or this is gonna be a train wreck like like what was your what was your thought in the middle of doing this yeah i mean i was kind of um it didn't a lot of it didn't feel good writing like because it felt some of it did but um 
but yeah, I, did, I was kind of worried that it was going to be a bit of a train wreck and that it didn't make sense. It's that there's so many, um, there's so many different kind of things on there as in, uh, like I wrote like a song like that, the cathedrals are, or faith is, or dancing with my shadow. They kind of push in one uh, direction, but then there was like songs, even like Homeward or Eden that were kind of more like sort of united kind of worship songs. Um, and then that's the thing about praise is so different as well. It's kind of a bit more like, um, I don't want to say CCM, but it kind of is like, it's kind of, it has like positive sort of that kind of flavor to it. And so I was like, how on earth am I going to tie all these things together? But I was like, but I want to say, I want to say it all. And I want to, I want to do it all. And so really, I think that's one of the reasons that I ended up becoming 25 tracks. Cause I was like, I need to, if I'm going to show that side of myself, I need to figure out a way that it's not like, oh, that's an island over there. And this is another island over there. It was like, I need to show all the steps between. Yeah. And so that's kind of what, there's a lot of like, it's, it's, it really is kind of all of me and all the things that I've kind of put my hand to over the last 10 years, I guess, and showing all the different sort of aspects and sides of that. And actually I'm really proud if I all um, came together in the end, yeah. even the way that most of things and stuff and the way we were able to do it with the keys. And it's like a, it's like a, that's not arrogant to say, but it's like a theory class in like the circle of fifths, like the way that it like it, the, the songs that bump up against each other, the way there is a really good sort of like musical narrative as well yeah. as um, a sporadic me narrative, I guess. Yeah, sure. Wow. I'm super, I love your songwriting and I love your melodies. Like to me, you write some of the best melodies because they're so um, unpredictable. You know what I mean? That's like, like the, the intervals you use, um, like even in the past, like in some of the Hillsong stuff, like, like it's just out of nowhere, you know, like, and you, it's like, like you can't predict like where you're going to go on every verse, you know, like how, how did you, is that just natural for you? Or do you think about that? Like, I, I, I want to make these like super interesting melodies. Uh, I mean, it's a good question. I mean, thank you, firstly, but um, I think it's probably a little bit of both. Like, I think naturally, um, I mean, I grew up in Ireland, so I grew up listening to like, like, you know, like the rambling Irish kind of poet, singer, songwriters, like Damien Rice and, and whoever else. And so I think that side of is kind of embedded in my, in my writing. But then I also grew up like in Salvation Army and we, had a big focus on like brass music and hymns and so I think probably a lot of the intervals that I choose are probably from are probably from that like the, the yeah like kind of classical almost classical music or brass kind of brass music hymns um I think that's kind of in me somewhere but then yeah combined with the sort of like rambly kind of vibe <laughs> it's hard to say so i think that is kind of my natural go-to is some somewhere between all of that mixed together and i think you see that actually i've noticed that in other irish songwriters like so someone like dermot kennedy is doing really good at the minute in the poppy kind of world he does a similar thing and it's funny because we're the same age so we probably just grew up eating the same eating the same food yeah um and so yes i think i think something something to that effect but i do i am i try to be um, 
well, I don't try to be, I, I've studied, I have studied songwriting a lot as much as I could. And, mm-hmm. and so I, a lot of what I do is, is intentional, but tr- I try to not, I try to, for it to be natural. If that, if that makes sense. The way I used to get, I used to teach um, songwriting at a college in Sydney. And one of the things I'd say to them, this is kind of a disgusting metaphor. So sorry if you're eating your breakfast, but um, one of the things I'd say to them is uh, eat everything you can and then throw up. So like, try and learn try to know as much you can about songwriting but then when you get in a songwriting session try to not think about a single thing try to just and over time hopefully the things that you've eaten are going to become uh natural to you and it'll just come out and so that would kind of be my um my approach and my and my take have you ever had anybody like i mean that's so opposite of like what people consider like worship like a lot of times worship is like, hey, we need to make this repetitive so the congregation can catch on quickly. And it seems like yours is complete opposite. Have you ever had anybody say like, hey, you need to chill out? Like, you need to make this a little more singable? Like, I mean, yeah, but I, I do actually feel really lucky that I think, um, especially in the Hillsong stuff, they, they really sort of made a place for me and what I was doing. Um, and I think that the benefit of that for me is that I had people around me that, that knew how to write those songs. So like you've got Ruben and Ben and I mean, they're really just the list is endless of all these amazing people that their wheelhouse is writing songs that everyone can sing. And so I think there was, there was kind of room for me to be like, well, you go write the songs that nobody can sing, but might sound interesting. Not that the other ones don't, but at all. Some of my favorite songs are their songs, but just like they, there was kind of space for me to kind of go a bit wild. And then every now and then, people sing them anyway which is which I'm really grateful for um and I think in my in reflection like there's things that I realized I mean so will I is a good example because at the time I remember saying to someone I remember saying to Cass like our worship pastor in Sydney I was like if if people sing this song I'm gonna quit songwriting teaching I'm I'm gonna quit teaching songwriting because I was like that no one's gonna sing this it's too hard it's too many lyrics and then the next week she sent me a video of it like being sung and um, and so I was like, I guess I'm quitting. But um, the the thing that I realized with a song like that, in retrospect, and this I'm kind of just being a songwriting nerd now. But um, we're we're and this is entirely accident. But you know the way most songs you've got like um, you've got less lyrics and the chorus repeats, right? But m- the melodies tend to be a bit more adventurous because of that. Whereas in so will I, there's obviously a, a gazillion lyrics. But there's actually only four melodic um, motifs in the whole song. So you've got like, da, 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 da. that was just the verse. And then the start of the chorus, da, 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 da. and then the third one is, da, 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 da. and then the fourth one is, da, 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 da. so the whole song doesn't at any point stray from those things. Like the, the bridge is the, da, 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 da. It's the last line of the chorus. And I think perhaps the stability of there not actually being very much melody for people to have to learn allows for more uh, room for the lyrics to get adventurous. Does that make sense? It's like yeah. there needs to be the things, which was not something I was thinking about at all at the time. But in retrospect, that's how I've rationalized the fact that people sing along. <laughs> it blows my mind. I remember, I specifically remember at my home church, somebody wanted to sing that when it first came out. And I was like, my church is never going to sing this. They're never going to catch on to this. Right. And like, it's one of the ones that's still like when I when I go home, it's still in rotation. Like, it, it's crazy. Like the congregation 
like sings all the intervals and the verses and everything. It just blows my mind that 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 works, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Sam. To be honest, I'll never get over getting this. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah, it, it is. It's that's one of the coolest things that I, that I got to be a part of that. And um, yeah, you know, people will be like, sometimes people say to me, like, I'm going out on tour with. Um, actually, I can probably say this now. Well, I'm going out on tour with Cody in. February, which I'm really excited about, and then Brandon Lake in April, which I think that gets announced today, so it should be fine to say. <laughs> and um, Brandon and I were talking the other day, and he was like, "He's like, do you get like, John? Is it a, like, are you okay singing So Will I? Like, I, don't, I know you're probably tired of singing it by now." And I was like, "Honestly, bro, I was like, I don't think I'll ever get tired of singing that song, just because like it's been such a, I feel so privileged to be a part of it, and and I also don't really understand when like people are like." Oh, I don't want to sing that song anymore. I've sung it a thousand times. It's like that that just feels so ungrateful to me. It's like you could have no songs that people want to listen to. So just be grateful that you have one and get on get on with singing it. Man. That's crazy. Anyway. Side um could I I mean at at the risk of being semi-controversial I, i'm not sure if you like i've heard like your answer but like i'm sure you know because the song says evolving there's hot controversy in the church. Like, can we just yeah. hear from you, your heart on that lyric? Like, I would just love to like hear you talk about it. And you know, and I've <laughs> got away talking about this for seven years and you're the first person. That Are you serious? No one be wanted to Are go for saying? it. Like, there's no way. I'm like, I have dodged this one for seven years. And I mean, we can keep moving too. If you, don't, if you don't want to go after it, that's fine. <laughs> I want to hear it now. <laughs> I respect the question. I've been waiting for it for a long time. Um, <laughs> and to be honest, so long, I had a, I had a whole answer prepared, and it's been so long that I can't even remember it. <laughs> <laughs> I had my appropriate PR response, which was something to the effect of, um, uh, oh, let me see if I can remember it, and then I'll maybe <laughs> give you an honest answer. It was something like um, evolving has a yeah the word evolving has a plethora of meanings and uh connotations um and it's a broad word and so yeah. uh can be used in a plethora of ways and I, we i encourage you to use it in, to worship in spirit and truth it was something to that uh, it was something pre like that yeah i mean really man the that is kind of the the heart behind it is that i think there's a I was trying to speak in, I was trying to pull more people along. And so, yeah. so I think there's a, there's some people in church that obviously um, don't like the idea of evolution. And there's some people in church that do. Sure. And the people don't would act like the other people aren't really Christians if they do. And then the people that do would be like, well, I don't know. We just think about the Bible differently or we just, so Really, I was like, well, here's a word that for all its kind of controversy can actually grab both those people at the same time and pull Mm -hmm. them forward. And I think when, and so for people that are growing up, especially young people that, um, that, that do love science and that don't see a conflict with that science in the Bible, like they'll have a place then to be like, kind of what I was saying earlier, like, oh, I'm not crazy. Like I can, I can, this, this same God, there's actually a way for this to work. And I really do think there is like, there's, I think sure. theologically there's a real pathway there for people, but it doesn't, I like it's that's, that's up to people to go and 
figure out with God and with the Bible and with whatever. Um, mm. And then on the flip, there's people that, um, I mean, there's lots of different people that take, take the Bible literally, people that um, take it. And, and I guess that's my point, in all kinds of ways. And the word is broad enough um, to grab both those people. Because no yeah. one's ever really, I don't, um, especially even in congregations where I feel like probably it would be more of the former, like most people view it literally. Um, literally is not even the right word, but I never feel like people stop singing for that point. You know, I feel sure. like it's still, it's still and gives them something to sing. Yeah. So if I'm helping grab a few more and I don't think, I mean, that may, that might be really offensive to some yeah. people or they might <laughs> think surprising, but part of it is to widen the net. And I don't think it's uh, sacrilegious to widen the net that far. I think there's a way for, I think there's a way for it to work. Yeah. There it is. I can't believe nobody's asked you that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm blown away. I need to go away and think of a, and give a more concise, a more well, concise I mean, answer. But yeah, I, th I think maybe it kind of just even your journey. Like I, um, I, I'm working on a PhD in worship and just like constantly reading the Bible and like books about the Bible. And yeah. like, it feels like the more you learn about the Lord, the more you realize there's just a whole lot of mystery to everything about him. And yeah, it sometimes it can be frustrating how much everybody wants to, you know, this is exactly how he all completely makes sense. And it's like, I don't, I think he's meant to be made sense of. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, there's a song, I talk about that, a song that Jesus I know, and the last verse kind of speaks to that. Because one of the things I find frustrating, especially in the pandemic, people kind of find their voice, which was uh, part of that's really awesome. But with how confident people are in who, um, in who God is. And I'm not saying there can't be fundamentals. I'm not saying you can't know God. Right. Um, really. But I do think if you how could you take something that's entirely infinite and then be so brazenly confident that you have that all figured out and that no one, and that you're right and everyone else is wrong by the nature of infinity like you can't like if god is infinite then there is plenty of stuff that you don't know and that stuff might counteract some of the stuff that you do or it might i don't it's complicated and the bible's complicated like there's a lot of different narratives there there's a lot of different you're kind of piecing together who god is through the eyes of all of these different people and different people across time and different stories and um and it's it's not entirely easy to get a clear picture of that it's actually a really complex thing but the bible um really does a beautiful job actually of in the midst of all that having this amazing meta narrative where we can see the fundamentals and we can see like these aspects of of god that are kind of um kind of really these clear brush strokes of story throughout yeah. but yeah to be to be so brazen peter ann says this book the sin of certainty and i think that kind of the title itself kind of sums up what i'm trying to say there like the there's like there's maybe something in in being so sure that you don't have room to listen to anyone else's opinion i yeah. think is maybe problematic and i do think it's also um sorry i'm probably going on too long but i was talking to uh the dean of theology back in sydney at the, the hillsong college he was he's a good friend of mine and we would meet constantly to kind of um just talk through stuff and he's he's so smart so he would kind of press me in challenging directions and 
poke me a little bit in a good way. And um, one of the things he said, he was reading a book on the Eastern Orthodox tradition. And um, he said the difference he find when he looked at it was often in the, in the West, our, our Christianity, we start with what we know and we leave room for mystery at the end. Whereas with the Eastern Orthodox tradition, they start with mystery and prayer and from there figure out what they know about God. And I thought that was a really sweet, um, I thought that was really interesting, kind of flipping yeah. the dogma on its head a little bit. Because we 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 look at faith from a very Greek sort of perspective, like yeah. it's black or it's white, it's, it's it's truth or it's false. Whereas even like the Jews don't view it like that. The Old Testament wasn't written like that. It's far more, uh, you can hold paradoxes, one in one hand and one in the other. And yeah. somehow you've got to figure stuff out. Anyway, yeah, I find I find all that fascinating. Yeah. How did you How did you end up? So you you grew up you grew up in Ireland, as far as I know. Yeah. And then yeah, how did you get from Ireland to Sydney? Like to, to yeah, Hill song. Yeah, I, I mean, I really I went out there to do the college. So I was in Ireland. I was nineteen. I was like busking. Do you guys know what that is? It's like the people that just sing on the streets yelling at people from it, and uh. So I was in that and I was in a band and things kind of fell through. And so, yeah, I just kind of made the jump, went out to Sydney, did, um, did Bible college out there. And I mean, I, it was kind of a wild, uh, it was a wild journey. I was out there for about a year and a half. It kind of had a similar to what I've been talking about the last three years, I had my first sort of existential crisis, if you will, where I was like, um, I just, I, I think, I think Bible college was so intense for me in general that I was, it just kind of, uh, it was a lot. And so I um, I came halfway through that. I got to the same sort of place where I was like, God, I don't even know where you are, who you are. And, um, but I know you're, I know you're real. Like I was like, I knew that much. I was like, or at least I'm going to choose to believe you are for the next six months. And in, in that next six months, he absolutely kind of blew my mind. So I am, um, I ended up getting this, I was walking this lady, I was at a conference kind of volunteering and um, I was walking this lady to her car. So that was kind of my, my job was it was raining and I was just holding an umbrella for some of the girls walking into the car. And um, I was walking this lady and she stops in the, we're having a normal conversation. She stops in the middle of the rain and turns around, looks me in the eyes and is like, are you a writer? And I was like, well, yeah, actually I am. And she started prophesying over me in the middle of the rain in Sydney. It's like, I've I, I seen you the ability to express deep truth and this is something you need to go after, whatever. And it absolutely shook me. Like it was one of the first times I really felt like I heard from God in a way that I couldn't avoid it or like it just went all the way through my body. I just knew. And um, and pretty much the next day I just started, um, the next day I wrote a song that ended up kind of, um, ended up getting to church and us doing it. And then a couple of weeks later, I wrote a song called Captain, which ended up in one of the United Records. And it kind of was this real life-changing moment. Like at that point, I didn't think I was going to do worship music. I thought I was going to move to Bali, live on the beach, learn how to be a DJ, make money, and like write dance music. Like that was actually my plan. <laughs> I, had all, I, had, I had like $200 in my bank account. And I was like, I can make this work. Um, so... It was a complete sort of life um, altering 
experience. And then within that next two months, I met my wife. Um, yeah, it was really kind of crazy. Cause, and I think I, I think in it, I really didn't, to kind of what you were saying earlier, but like, do people ever, with your songwriting, do people ever try to like box you in? I think so much of what happened to me in that prophecy was I felt like the limits, I felt like I stopped trying to write, because I tried to write worship music, obviously, I'm in Bible college, but the, all my songs just sounded like really bad versions of Reuben songs. Like, I'm like, here's this guy writing these amazing songs for the church to sing, and I'm just writing really subpar versions of them and this prophecy kind of gave me the ability for some reason to be like okay well how do i want to say this so if i was just writing directly to god not worrying about whether people could sing it or not what would it sound like and that was kind of actually when i started writing songs that people did were interested in in singing and so um yeah it was kind of it was a crazy time and i guess um it's funny looking back that you know, you get, you get to that place once where you're like, God, are you even right there? And then you get out of that and you're like, oh, I'll never think that again. Thank you so much for bringing me through that. You're so good. And then it's like, what, seven years later, you're like, oh, here we are again. We're back. <laughs> I didn't think that would happen so soon. But, um, but yeah, hopefully it's, hopefully I'm not making the same record again in another seven years. Yeah. So where do you call home now? Uh, LA. I had to think oh, about that for a minute. Yeah, yeah. So I'm in LA, which has been it's been good. I've been there for about a year and a half. So I've got to um yeah, got married in Australia and got two Australian kids and we all moved out there about a year and a half ago. Which has been good. Wow. That's that's three completely different places. I know. <laughs> it is. It's all over the place. And my wife wants to live in London so bad. So I'm probably gonna have to add that to the list at some point. Wow. So your wife is from Australia. Yeah, she's from Australia. Wow. So what yeah. do you what do you do when you're not on tour? Like, what are you doing in in LA? I mean, honestly, this year has been insane. Like, I've barely been in LA, which has been hard. Um, but I try to. I mean, we golf a lot, especially on tour. So that's super fun. Kind of keeps everything interesting. Keeps each city kind of. Um. Well, because you never really see the cities. You're just looking at the parking lot. So it kind of keeps things fun. Get out and see the grass. Um, but I really don't get to play much in LA. I mean, honestly, when I'm home, I'm normally catching up between... Because with doing United and doing my own thing, it, like when I get home, I'm kind of having to catch up on one or the other. So I'll either be driving down to the OC to write with Joel and just hang out and work on stuff. Or I'll be just home from the United Tour and it's like, okay, I got to respond to like a million emails and I got to like get up to date with my stuff and keep things moving right for my thing. So I haven't had much. I mean, I honestly haven't had really any off time this year. So I'm really looking forward to December where I can kind of just unwind a little bit. My parents are going to come over. My brother's going to come over. I'll just do a ton of barbecues, and sit in the sun, and you know, maybe go skiing. We drive to Big Bear or something and do some skiing. So I'm really looking forward to to that in December. But yeah, I really don't know what, what I do in LA because I don't feel like I've really lived there yet. Wow. <laughs> this current tour, you're with are you you're with Cody right now? No, I'm with that uh, Tomlin and United. Oh Tomlin, okay. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're are you going did you say you're going with Cody? Yeah. Cody in February, um, which is gonna be super fun. Um I can't remember everywhere we're going, but if 
anyone follows me on Instagram, the link's in the bio and on Cody's Instagram and stuff. And then with I am going with Brandon Lick in uh in April, which is gonna be super fun. So who's your who's your players right now for your band? I mean, that's a really good question. I've I've only done a few a lot of the stuff I've done, I've done by myself. Um and then I've taken out uh Tenny and Joe Volk on a couple of things, it's been super fun. Um but yeah, aside from that, I haven't really so I need to figure that out for those things and what I'm gonna do. I think the Cody one will just all be will be up there together the whole time. So sharing a band, and I actually don't know if he's got a plan for that yet. Um, I'm sure he does. And then with the the Brandon one, I got to figure that out. But yeah, Tenny and Joe have been awesome. So it's and then maybe it's yeah. so so crazy to me that you have such a big network that like you're just like ah, you know whoever <laughs> like. <laughs> and it's like, like you know like the who's who of like like yeah. worship players on stage with you no matter what like that's that's crazy it's, i mean it's really they're and they're they really are all amazing um yeah. and i've got such good chemistry with all the united guys that i mean if they if any of them fancy taking some more time and coming then i'll always have room for them but I don't know. I mean, we tour so much that they probably just want to be at home. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to, we're just about out of time here, but I'd love to maybe cap it. If you have any um, encouragement as best as you can, knowing full well that it's going to be very specific for every person, but like your journey of like readily struggling with the Lord and just struggling, yeah. you know, honestly, with just like the way we understand God and the way the church is functioning. Like I, I hear that a lot from young worship leaders, old worship leaders, everybody seems kind of disenfranchised with almost everything. Like you have any encouragement for uh, the person that is trying to struggle through that to maybe help them not just drop the whole thing. Like uh, that seems like where a lot of people go anyway. Yeah. Completely. Um, I mean, I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of thoughts. <laughs> Yeah, I think try your best not to get cynical would be the first thing because I think it's hard to, to to do anything productive once you're cynical. The problem is, I think, um, I think really what happens is you've got these frameworks of your faith, right? And because faith is such a fundamental, important part of our lives, that kind of is a big, it's a big piece. It's almost like, um, it's another, I mean, it literally is a relationship, but it's like another, it's like, it's like your relationship with your wife or relationship with your kids or whatever. There, there are these fundamental building blocks that um, if something happens with your wife, like if there's a trust broken or something happens, it's kind of your world falls into a little bit of chaos while you try to, while you try to put together the pieces. Well, I think it's kind of similar with faith. You have this relationship with God and who you know him to be. And if, if there's like a, if one of the pillars of that kind of um, starts to get a bit shaky it really does kind of, it can descend you into an, an element of chaos. And that's kind of what I experienced. It was, I was feeling like depressed even and um, struggling, but I didn't really know. I didn't know why, but I think it was just because this, like God is so important to me and it's such a fundamental part of my life that when I felt like I didn't really know who he was anymore, or understand him or, um, I, it was, everything was like, well, what do I know? And what is real? And, one of the fundamentals of my life had kind of been shifted the paradigm was off and um and so i think 
first thing is okay to admit that like you're struggling with that. And then I think, I think it's the only way um, is to go on the journey of kind of figuring, figuring out what is, what is real. I think there's obviously a lot of negative connotations around the idea of deconstruction, but I think that's really interesting because I think nobody willingly tears down a house that's perfectly good. Like nobody's tearing down their mansion for the sake of it and just building another mansion. I think mm-hmm. you only tear down a house when there's something wrong with it or it's going to break anyway, or it's already crumbled and you're just pretending it hasn't. So I actually think deconstruction is really, I think it's necessary because you're only, you're, yeah, you're trying to, if, if you get there, if your house is perfectly fine, then thank then great. Keep it, keep it going. Um, but if there's things that need to change and you realize they're not working and things are already kind of crumbling on you, then it's probably time to accept that and to try to have a bit of a rebuild and, and figure out, okay, well, the things that I thought as a 19 year old about God, you know, I've, I've seen a bit more of the world. I've learned a bit more. I'm, I, I maybe just don't, um, it doesn't all, all doesn't, all doesn't line up the same. And I have always found, even to this day, that when I've pursued God in that regard, um, aspects of the Bible that didn't make sense actually start to come alive over time. There'll be stories that in hindsight, actually they get a new meaning almost, and they actually do make a lot more sense to me. So I think staying in the, staying in the fight, um, is important trying your best not to become cynical in the midst of that because sorry to my point before when you do descend into the chaos that i was talking about it it's a natural part of that is to, is to become cynical and kind of hit the world around you that's a yeah. that's a really common thing that you see it kierkegaard talks about it as like the night of resignation it's like you yeah you just you become bitter and there's nothing to live for but i think um fighting beyond that for the for the hope again and rebuilding whatever the pillars are in a positive way that um that you see the the light at the end of the tunnel i think all my favorite music does that and really with the record that's what i was doing is giving people the hope at the end of it saying yeah things sometimes things suck and sometimes it's not all working like you thought it did or sometimes you know the things that you how do i say that the right way almost like the things the way you translated the things you learned in sunday school don't quite make sense the way that comes to real life you know like um and we see that all the time there's no point pretending like it doesn't exist like people say like like i know god can heal people and i know that but we say like we say things like you know god's gonna god's in the room and he's gonna heal you today and then people die of cancer and it's like okay well there's a real disconnect there yeah and so it's it's trying to figure out, okay, well, which of these things, what do I actually think about God? What is the Bible actually saying? Um, and how do I build this thing that's going to be sustainable for the next little while? And I think it's agile. Like, I think you learn in time. Um, you often, like, I, I remember as a kid talking to um, older people and not really understanding their perspective. Like, being, they felt like a lot less, like, um, I don't know. It's almost like the wisdom of time kind of gives you a certain uh ease and uh assurance that things are going to be okay but young people are so much more like let's go after this let's grab it sorry i'm i really i'm rambling at this point but um, that is great (laughs) yeah i would say stay in the ring you're going to be okay but try not to hit the world
Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. We cannot wait to see you again. Make sure to head over to Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, YouTube, wherever you are. Shoot us a DM. We would love to chat with you. We absolutely love it. Talk to you later.